I want to begin with just a brief history lesson. Give me a minute, and the other nine will be great, I promise. So, in 1215, King John of England, known to history as Good King John, for reasons that will become clear in a minute, but in his own day, not Good King John, no, John the Soft Sword. They probably weren't talking about his sword. They were teasing him because he was the younger brother of Richard the Lionheart. You see the contrast here, right? Big, strong, tough king. Weak, sniveling, little king. But King John did something that has affected the whole course of human history, whereas Richard the Lionheart mostly just fought Muslims. That also affected history, but not in the same way. John signed the document that today we call the Magna Carta. And Magna Carta is one of the most important documents in the whole history of the world. He established into law the notion that the king, while he was called by God to rule, that kingship was his vocation, depended on his subjects to be able to rule effectively. This is what we call the consent of the governed. And it forms the basis of our own Declaration of Independence. Whole sections of the Magna Carta make up the first portion of the US Constitution. And basically, every country today that has either a parliament or a Congress can trace it back to Magna Carta. The reason for the history lesson, friends, is this. In my long weeks in solitude, me and the dog up at a cabin by ourselves, the surest conviction that I was able to arrive at, the thing that deep down in my gut I became most convinced of, is that certainly in my life, but I suspect in many of yours as well, the places where I still have problems, the things that still aren't working the way that they're supposed to, the kind of intractable or unsolvable parts of my life that I, that, that I seem to bang my head against, right? Those align perfectly with those places in my life where I have failed to give Christ consent to govern. Those places in my life where I know and can say with honesty right now, Jesus is not king. Now, of course, in one sense, he's king of my life. And clearly, I've done something to say, yeah, I'm on the Jesus team. I want to do this. I, I'm going to do my best to do it as best as possible. But we all got bits where we just don't want him to go. Portions of his kingdom, we just assume he not visit. It's like when you're a kid and your room's real messy and mom says, clean your room. And so you kind of move the stuff that's real obvious into place and then sweep everything else under the bed. Virgie used to check under the bed. <laughs> but see, Jesus is already under the bed and inside it. He's behind the dresser and in the back of the closet. He's in that junk drawer where everything goes when you don't know where it's supposed to go until it begins to, to pop out and then you can't get the drawer open anymore. He's in those memories. You don't allow yourself to entertain because of what they might do. He's in those rolling thoughts that start the moment your head hits the pillow and prevent you from going to sleep. He's what happens every time you pass by that house or that bar or that cemetery or that shop where something happened and you just can't. 
Those are not only the places where Christ already dwells, but they are the places he most longs to reign. But he can't do it without you. He can't exercise the authority that is properly his without your consent. The king depends on you. The other great insight of the Magna Carta, the insight, so that first bit, this recognition that the king needs his subjects to make this work right, is what's really uh, at the heart of that first reading, where the people go to David, right? And they, and they use very specific language with him. You are bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. Now that's special language, right? We know that language because it's the first part of the, the first chapter of the book of Genesis, right? The man sees the woman and he says, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. That was a phrase that the Jews used to, to recognize kinship. You're one of us now. You belong here. It's like when, I don't know, maybe three years in, some old Italian slapped me on the back and said, well, finally got your passport to the south side. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. That's what they're saying to David. And the reason, the reason they're willing to allow David to rule them is because they recognized him as theirs. But the second insight that comes from the document that I think is buried in today's readings is this. Once we allow Christ to reign, once we let Jesus be king of the whole shebang and not just the polite parts or the ones we want other people to see, once we allow Jesus to exercise his kingship over us, he begins to exercise his, kin his kingship in us. Magna Carta, what happened was, the king didn't actually write it, the archbishop wrote it, which is probably the reason this squares up so well with churchy stuff. But, but, but in Magna Carta, what, what, the, what the king says, you know, what the document says is this. Everyone who exercises authority, any lawful or legitimate authority in the whole kingdom, comes ultimately from God. Now, we know this, and we know the consent piece, too, even in our own families. So, how did you become a parent? Oh, well, God did something. I mean, you did something, too. You maybe even didn't even mean to become the parent part of it, but that's how you became a parent, right? But the quality of your parenthood depended on the relationship between you and the kid. And even still, even when our kids are grown-ups, right, the quality of our relationship depends, the quality of our parenthood depends on our relationship of trust between the ruler and the ruled, between the superior and the subject. All authority comes from God, and when it's exercised rightly, it's a godly thing. It's a godly service. It's the reason why we say when we're baptized, we're anointed priest, prophet, and king. Every member of the kingdom, every citizen of God's kingdom shares in his kingship. And we do so in virtue of our kinship in Christ. Hear this rightly. Kinship, relationship, is what enables us to exercise kingship. This is the way hereditary kings work, right? It's the reason Charles is now the king of England and not Elizabeth, right? It's, it's the reason they didn't elect some other person. His kinship to the previous monarch is what allows him to be king. Our kinship to our monarch 
is what allows us to be kingly. So now I'm going to ask a hard question. Look at him and ask yourself how much you resemble him. Not the hair or the beard. But when's the last time you fought for something so hard you got stripped naked and nailed to a tree? When's the last time you found yourself willing to suffer? Not forced to suffer, but willingly suffering for the sake of another. So much that you weren't sure you could go on. When's the last time your suffering was put really and truly at the service of somebody else? See, he doesn't look like a king. He's not sitting on a throne. He's nailed to a tree. He's not wearing fine robes. He's stripped naked. He doesn't have a fancy crown on. Somebody's decided to mock him by weaving thorn rushes and placing it on his head. He has no scepter with which to rule. He can't even move his hands. He's pinned down. A king is is meant to be strong and active. The knight on the white horse, this guy, can't even get up. But if you're willing to claim him as your king, then every time you get knocked down, every time you find yourself suffering in ways you don't think you can manage, Every time you come to know death, metaphorically or really, you can live. And what's more, you can help other people to live as well. I found myself one night during my time away reading a novel, sitting up in bed reading a book kind of delight I don't often give myself when I'm here because I'm tired enough by the time I go to bed. It's just... And as I was reading this novel, it was like... It was like the author had written this for me. You ever had that? Where something just speaks to you so profoundly, it's you. Like, this was written for you by somebody else in another part of the world years and years ago. I was so moved, I got up, middle, it wasn't the middle of the night, but it was late, it was like 11.30, I got up, and in another part of the house, I'd made kind of my chapel for the time that I was there, and I, I knelt down in front of the king. I want you to think about that, how much time and energy and money people spend to get a private audience with the Pope, or the Queen of England, the President of the United States, and you, you got it for free. Like, their boss lives here. (laughs) And he doesn't put you politely in a parlor where we can take pictures and show other people you came. He invites you to dinner. And he does it every day. So I found myself kneeling there at the supper table in front of the Lord of the universe and saying things you shouldn't say to a king. I don't trust you, I said. I'm madder than hell at you. Because reasons from my own life. And the reason I'm ineffective as a pastor is because I don't trust you the way I should. I want to trust you. I want to love you. But it's hard 
Because the way you choose to make this work hurts. It hurts. Something marvelous happened in those moments. I cried and I talked and I, and I, I just sat with the Lord. And something turned in me. Something changed. When I looked up, it was almost three in the morning. It felt like no time had passed at all, but it was like two and a half or three hours. When I came out of it, there was no voice, there was no light. Let's do this again. That's all I wanted. Your anger. Your hurt. Your suffering. Your distrust. But if you're not willing to pray like that, you're not there yet. Now, maybe your thing isn't anger. Maybe it's a different pain. Maybe your thing isn't even hurt. Maybe it's fear. But whatever that is that you most long to hide, whatever you're most certain God wants no part of, and especially what you don't want anybody else to know about, that's the gift to bring your king on this his own feast.